look like to be people of truth in our heads, the way we think, in our hearts, the way we feel, our affections, as well as in our actions, our hands. And I'm going to be talking about the actions part of it today. So I'm going to start out with this verse in 1 John 3, and I think it's a really a good theme verse because it, it ties in all three ideas. It says, Dear children, let us not love in words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This, then, is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. And the reason I love this verse is that it includes every aspect of this series that we're talking about. Uh, the, the word in the Greek language that's translated words is actually logos. And you should be familiar with that if you've been around Christianity much. It's one of the uh, more significant Greek words. And it, it means more than just the physical word itself. It means thought. It means reason. It means our understanding. It's what we do with our minds. And so this is the theological aspect of having our, our minds right, having our orthodoxy. Ortho, um, you know, why do you go to an orthodontist? To straighten your teeth. Okay, ortho just means straight. And so orthodoxy is straight thought, straight thinking. It's a straight understanding. And then actions, <clears throat> it says we need to love not only in words, but in actions. And that's the Greek word ergon, which means work. It means doing stuff. It's what we do with our hands. And it's the theological term orthopraxy. It means having our actions in alignment with our beliefs and in alignment with God's truth. And then it says, in doing that, we get our hearts right. And that's the Greek word cardia, which we still use in, in, in the English language, referring to the heart, cardiology. Our hearts, our feelings, our emotions, our affections. And that's the uh, theological term orthopathos, which is having that aspect of our lives in alignment. And the goal is really to have all three working together in alignment with God's truth and in alignment with God's character so that we can be representatives of God, of Jesus in the world today. So I wanted to, want you to do something. If you have a pen or a pencil. Wow. I know, ancient technology. And, and that stuff called paper, you can use the back of the bulletin or space on it or an offering envelope. Or if you're like me, just pull out your phone and send yourself an email. And write down two or three things that you believe that, that are based on your Christian faith. Right? You don't write down that you believe the earth is round or flat. I don't really care. <laughs> so maybe it's something that Anthony taught on last week or Graham. Uh, some uh, fact about uh, theology or about Christianity that, that you really believe. And we'll, we'll return to this at the end of the message. But write down two or three things I believe. Boom. While you do that, I'm going to tell you a little story. A few years ago, I was driving home, um, and uh, it was a very, very hot day. Some of you may remember I had this little pickup truck, and it was super hot. It was middle of summer in Michigan, just blazing sun, and I wanted to get home because I was going to take my boys to the beach because it was a hot summer day, and that's what I like to do. And so I grabbed a, uh, a cooler, and I threw in some ice and a whole bunch of bottles of water, for, the, for us to take to the beach. And I'm flying down 131, going home. I see this car off the side of the road. And it was obviously a family. There was an older guy, a man, his father, and like three teenage kids. 
and they were just walking in this unbearably hot day. And I said, okay, well, their car broke down, and they're going to have to walk to the next exit, which was at least a mile or more away uh, down this in the middle of the heat. And I thought, I got to do something. <clears throat> so I whip off the side of the road, and they, they walk up to me, and the father, father's there, and I said, hey, man, I know it's, it's not really safe or even legal now, but hop in the back of the, my pickup, and I'll take you to the exit was smart and that he said no. <laughs> Thanks, but we're okay. And so I said, well, at least have a bottle of water. And I opened up this cooler, and <laughs> there it is, filled with the ice and water bottles. And I'm telling you, there was this teenage girl. Her face lit up like I was an angel from God delivering her prayer. You could just tell she was thinking about an ice-cold bottle of water. And there I am, out of nowhere, well, have a bottle of water or two. I mean, here. And she's just like, whoa. It was so fun. I won't get any reward in heaven for that because I got all my reward right there just seeing her light up. You know? <laughs> and so I was able to do something. To help them. Now, I could have driven by, and quite frankly, when people are broken down on the side of the road, I don't stop because I would be no help. Okay? I would be like, yeah, your car is broke. Because <laughs> I don't know anything about broken cars. I'm like, they're broke, they either work or they don't work. That's all I know. And so I'm no good at fixing cars. I can't help in that way. But I, I had the, the capacity to help in this situation. And, you know, those actions are actions. It's an old, old saying. Actions speak louder than words, don't they? Benjamin Franklin said it this way. Well done is better than well said. You know, and it's a truth. And so we need to have our actions. We need to be people of true actions. And that's what I'm talking about today. Matthew, Jesus said it this way in Matthew 7. You will know them by their fruits. Have you been gathered grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. So Jesus is saying that a person's fruit, the, what they produce, okay, what they do, you can actually determine. We can't judge a person's heart. God can. God actually tells us we have to judge people by their actions. We can't judge their heart. That's a sacred place. Uh, but we can know them by what they produce. And so we need to ask ourselves, what are we producing? A little later on... <clears throat> In the same passage, Jesus uses another uh, comparison. He says, whoever hears these sayings of mine and, yeah, not, and believes them. He didn't say and believes them. Believing something isn't good enough. You have to actually do them. I will liken him or her to a wise man who built his house on the rock. In other words, it gives you stability in life. Not just hearing, not even just believing, but you have to get it to the place where you act on what you've heard, act on what you believe. Earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus uses these comparisons. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? 
obviously no. It's thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world. Listen, we read these passages, and yes, Jesus was talking to real people 2,000 years ago, but when we read them, this is God's word to you. You are the light of the world. Say, I am the light of the world. You are. We are. As Christ followers, we are the light of the world. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. This is Jesus' vision of his followers, of his church. He said, but nobody lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So here's a direct command by Jesus Christ to do things so that people can see that our actions reflect the character of God. Now we do know that in other places Jesus speaks against prideful acts, especially in the area of of giving and and drawing attention to your self-righteousness. But that's not what he's talking about here. Here he's talking about letting our actions uh, demonstrate the character of God. And, and, And he compares that uh, to, to our influence that we're called to be in the world. Now let's just take some, I was trying to figure out, think of some uh, real life comparisons. I don't know how real this will be, but you know, say we're setting by a beautiful river and up, maybe up north in Michigan. It's a warm, a little warmer than today. <laughs> you know, with beautiful colors and you see something, you know, you're just enjoying the scene. You're loving it, you know. And uh, you, you know, something disturbance up, up river and you know, you see a turned over boat and it flies by and of course the rivers are full right now because we had so much rain. And a second or two later you see a person struggling to get to the shore and they're, they're, they're not making it. You know, maybe you got a rope, you know, or an inner tube. If you just sit there and go, man, I believe that person's in trouble. I really believe they need help. You need help, buddy! That's no good, is it? How about if you, oh, I really feel sad for you. I'm sorry! Too bad! No, you can't have my inner tube. That's no good, is it? You have to act, right? Or say you're walking down the street, and somebody asks you for money. It was this in Mexico. I spent a few weeks in Mexico uh, in a Spanish school. And... Um, <clears throat> The city I was in, Puebla, is one of the most affluent cities, so it's not like where I normally go, where there's a lot of beggars. But I was, one day I was walking back, I'd gotten something to eat, and I was walking back to where I lived, about a 20-minute walk. Turned on this corner, and I was kind of surprised because it was a young woman with a little child sitting on the street. And she was just sitting there asking for money. And my heart just broke for her because I could see she, she was in desperate need. They don't have the kind of um, support system we have. But I didn't have any cash. Like, you don't take credit cards, do you? you know? And I felt really bad the whole way back. I was like, God, forgive me. Because I remember a few years ago, Steve Orsillo, who does a lot of work with the poor out in California, was here, and he challenged me. And I've heard him say this many times. <clears throat> Jesus says... Uh, give to whoever asks. Another part of the Sermon on the Mount, found in Luke. 
It doesn't say give to whoever asks that you think is worthy. It says give to whoever asks. And so since then, I, even though I don't use cash for anything, I try to carry around a few fives and ones so that I can, I can do that because it convicted me. And after I saw that, that woman on the street in Mexico, for the rest of the time I was there, I wouldn't leave my uh, Airbnb until I made sure I had some pesos in my pocket so that I could give money, you know? And, you know, it doesn't matter. If it, even if it's only $1, if it's 50 cents, uh, you're, doing a, you're doing something. <clears throat> or maybe there's an older person on your street, or maybe a young, uh, a single mom, uh, and you notice they never have anybody stop over to help them or visit them. What are your actions saying about your confession of faith? And there are other examples that match your life. Jesus compares our actions to being salt, right? Salt influences its environment. If you put salt into a liquid, it changes the flavor, it changes the chemistry. You know? Why do you put salt on food? To make it taste better, right? Or you would die without the right amount of salt in your body. We need salt to live. Jesus compares our actions to light, and light causes darkness to flee. We need to realize that the power in Christianity is in our actions. Yes, it's in what we say, but it, it's really in what we do based on what we say. And we need to learn how to bring those together. Jesus, when teaching the crowds, he said in Matthew 23, says the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you. But don't follow their example. For they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease their burden. Let me ask you a question. What did the Pharisees get right? Not much. What did Jesus say the Pharisees get, got right? Information. Yeah. He said, practice and obey what they tell you. Listen to them. They're the official interpreters of the law. So they were getting the orthodoxy aspect of it, at least mostly right. Okay? What were they getting wrong? Yeah, they weren't doing anything about it. What did Jesus tell his disciples, his followers, to do? Do what they say, but not what they do. All right? Because if you just learn information, but you don't put it into action, it makes you a really good Pharisee. If you don't apply what you learn when you read Scripture or hear Bible teaching like you're hearing today, you're just becoming a better Pharisee. And the church has got a lot of great professional Pharisees. We don't need any more of those. Now, we don't stop learning, but we need to learn how to do it together, put our actions and our, and our beliefs in, in unity how was Jesus' ministry different from the Pharisees? What, what did he do? 
He healed people. What else did he do? Huh? He looked at people. He looked at people. Yeah. Anything else? He touched untouchables. Helped oppressed people. He loved them. Right. He fed people. Jesus had a pretty successful feeding program. <laughs> pretty cool, huh? <clears throat> and uh, he helped oppress people. People that were oppressed, like the lepers, like the woman caught in adultery, uh, uh, like the Samaritan in the, in the story, uh, like the tax collector. People that were oppressed by everybody else in society. He sought them out. All right? To make a difference in their life. Do you think people would have followed Jesus? Do you think Jesus would have had as much impact if he just talked about it? No way, I'm telling you. And that's the same thing with our lives. We need to follow Jesus' example and not the Pharisees' example. Even what Jesus did when he taught, he taught in a way that helped people get through life, helped people um, live life to the fullest. So there's a very famous verse, uh, Ephesians 2, you should all know this. By grace you have been saved through faith, and that and of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works. That's the same Aragon verse. Least anyone should boast. All right? That's undisputed. There's no way, nobody gets to heaven by what you do. There's not enough that you could do to make up even for your least sinful act. You, there's nothing you can do to make up for that. That's not what it is. Uh, spirituality, righteousness, is not uh, a counterbalancing the weight of our uh, ungodly actions with godly actions. That's karma. That's Eastern religions. That is not what Jesus taught. But there's only one way to gain access to God, and that's the free gift of faith that comes through believing in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. But the next verse <clears throat> says... We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. All right? Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so, in actuality, redemption and getting saved and coming in the right relationship with Jesus, with God through Jesus Christ, enables us to do the works without staining those works with pride and arrogance and the thought that they are gaining us. We're not doing those works out of our own self-ambition or our own worthiness, but we're doing them out of love. All right? What John talked about earlier, that we need to love not only in word, but in action. Uh, and it is the same word that's used in 1 John as well as in the Sermon on the Mount. <clears throat> and in the, to just uh, really nail it, uh, James uh, who was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And so this is, he's writing to his followers and to the, the Christians of the first century. He says, uh, But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith with your, uh, without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Okay, that's the orthodoxy part, right? That was actually one of, Anthony's points. It was his first point. Believe in one God. That's right. You do good. He said, but even the demons believe that and tremble. Demons have the right orthodoxy. They understand what's really happening. They know who the real God is. Doesn't do them any good. He says, but you do not, do you, 
uh, want to know, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? In other words, he actually had to do something. He had to demonstrate what he believed. Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works, faith was made perfect or complete or brought to maturity? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that, when, that then a man is justified by works and not by faith only. You come into that relationship of friendship with God when you have right faith demonstrated through right actions. When your actions and your faith align. Why do you think James wrote this letter? It's not a trick question. Yes. People weren't taking any action on their faith. Absolutely right. People weren't acting on their faith. This was the early church. Some of these people probably saw Jesus in person. But right from the beginning, that, that's how quickly we go to, as long as we believe the right ideas, we're okay. We don't actually have to do anything uncomfortable. But James is saying, no. We need our actions to be in alignment with our faith. The early church gets it wrong, and the church's defaults into this. And I do too. It's just like, you think if you check off the box... If you pass the test, the written test, everything's good. But the, you don't get in just by a written test. There has to be a practicum. You have to actually go do something. All right, folks? Um, <clears throat> I believe this. Uh, and, and they weren't connecting their faith with their actions, and we don't want to fall into the same mistake. All right? We want to be people that live, be people of truth in our actions. And this is the last verse we're going to get talk about today. Uh, it says in second, this is Second Corinthians chapter 5, uh, everybody's favorite verse. <coughs> no, actually most people skip over it. Uh, <coughs> For we must all appear, he's writing to Christians, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him or her for the things done well in the body, whether good or bad. And I've explained this to so many Christians as part of their uh, introductory classes that we teach. And I'm like, wait a minute, I thought, I thought I'd get into heaven because of Jesus, what Jesus did. And that's absolutely true. This is not about salvation. This is, this is the, you've gotten past that gate. <laughs> All right. You're in. But then you have to stand before Jesus. And it says, uh, you have to, uh, uh, you will receive what is due, or the message puts it this way, sooner or later we will have to face God regardless of our conditions. We will appear before Christ and take what's coming to us as a result of our actions, either good or bad. Now, I have no idea how this is going to work. There's, a, there's about 7 billion people on the planet alive right now, not counting everybody that's ever lived. But every Christian is going to stand before Jesus, and I believe that I'm going to stand before Jesus, and he's going to 
I'm going to have to answer for everything I've done in this body. Now, there's nothing I can do to compensate for the wrong, but I believe that this is required so that I can spend eternity in his, pro- in his presence without any residue of guilt or shame. Because you know what? We've talked it through. We've worked it out. And somehow, God's going to, we're going to receive what is due us, both for the good and the bad. I believe that in my heart 100%. It's going to happen to me, and I believe it's going to happen to you. And I want to give you an advance warning. This is why it's in Scripture. To do things that are good, so that when you get to Jesus, He's like, you know what? When you pull over the road and go gave those people those a water bottle, good for you, dude. I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. You carried money around, you gave it out. That's good for you, man. You visited that person that was sick in the hospital. Good for you, man. Oh, thanks, yeah. When you did that other thing, that was not, that's not so good. <laughs> and you did that, that was really bad. You know, Jesus, I, I accept that. And I accept that you paid the price for that. That's good. You know, and it, so we can build up a reward in heaven. How? By our actions. How we treat the oppressed. How we care for people who need help. How we go out of our way to <clears throat> demonstrate Christ's love in the way Christ did it. So uh, what actions will be judged? Think about that. What does that mean for you and I today? <clears throat> and so I asked you to write down on your phone or on a piece of paper some things that you believe. What I want you to do after this, after today and before you gather in your community groups or uh, maybe later this week, is uh, write down how do these beliefs shape your actions. And specifically, list an action that you either did within the last week or you plan to do in this coming week that aligns with that belief. Whatever belief you wrote, come up with an action that can demonstrate it. And if you can't figure out what action would demonstrate it, pray. Say, God, how can I demonstrate that I believe that you give victory over death? Or you give hope to the hopeless. What can I do practically? Or ask someone in your community group, God, I believe this, but how does that really make a difference in real life? Listen, if what we believe doesn't make a difference in real life, then you shouldn't be here. Go, to, go learn a trade or something. Go make money. <laughs> right? We don't want to be Pharisees. The purpose is not to train up better Pharisees. Let's be Christians. Christ-like, that actually do actions that change the world and change people's lives. And if your actions are contrary to what you believe, well, ask yourself, what does that, what does that reveal? And you're going to have opportunity, if you attend one of the community groups, to discuss this stuff and to work it out in our lives. Bill, would you come up and close in prayer for us?